Mindfulness Mode 227. The caterpillar has to fight to become the butterfly. You get out of the cocoon, so to speak. You have that transformation. But in that transformation, there's some energy expended on the breakthrough. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness on today's Mindfulness Mode with me, your host and Mindfulness Life Coach, Bruce Langford. Thanks again for joining us. It's so great to have you with us, Mindful Tribe. If you're new, welcome. As an appreciation to you for listening, I have a meditation infographic called Calm Your Busy Mind. It'll help you feel empowered to get connected with breathing, with exercise, and with mantras. Get into the action. Get your copy at mindfulnessmode.com slash calm, C-A-L-M. Last time on the show, I was with Allison Suter, who has a special way of sharing with you the whole meaning of being spiritual, what it means to have that spiritual element in your life. Find out how you can use your emotions as your own personal guidance system so you can bring yourself back to a place of feeling good of feeling peaceful and content. If you missed that, check it out at mindfulnessmode.com slash 226. Today, I'm with a powerful, confident guest who talks to you about transformation and what kind of energy you can use to make a breakthrough so you can move towards that pivotal change to feeling better about yourself. My guest is the wonderful J.J. Flazanes. She talks about her new book, and that book is called The Invisible Fitness Formula, Five Secrets to Release Weight and End Body Shame. By the way, you can get it here at this affiliate link, mindfulnessmode.com slash IFF, standing for Invisible Fitness Formula. JJ is energy. She is wisdom. She is mindfulness. Sit back, relax, and enjoy my guest today, JJ Flazanes. This is going to be so much fun. Hey, JJ, this is awesome. So I'm sure you are in mindfulness mode. Am I right, JJ? Yes, Bruce. I am centered (laughs) and ready to go. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I feel pretty much in mindfulness mode. But just before we jumped on this call, the internet quit and we had these different things happen. But I think we're pretty mindful at this point. And I'll just just tell Mindful Tribe, I'll tell you a little bit about JJ. She's been on the show before, which is so exciting to have her back. Way back on episode 9 in September 2015. I can't believe it was that long Holy ago. Holy cow! <laughs> Can you believe that? Yeah, wow. Well, that's episode nine, but today I'm just going to tell you that JJ is an author. She's a coach. She's a podcast host of the Fit to Love podcast show. JJ is a totally vibrant and determined individual, and she is a connector of people. She's currently been working on her newest book, which she says is her best. It's the Invisible Fitness Formula, Five Secrets to Release Weight and End Body Shame. So I'm really excited to talk about that as well, JJ. So it sounds like you really poured yourself into this new book. This book is a culmination of 20 years of work. It's Wow. And it is the simplified version, the nuts and bolts, the proof, and the science on all levels, science of body, science of mind, science of spirit, science of biochemistry. 
it, it really, it's so, it's so vast. And, and on one end, I do of the five secrets, three of them are uber scientific and the other two are very spiritual, psychological and mindful, if you will. It's all in the emotional piece and, and spiritual piece and, and our purpose and things. So it goes from one extreme to the other. And that's, that's who I am anyway. I'm the left and right brain person who is going to bring in both sides because both sides are important. And I think a lot of times, most of us have our strength in one of those sides. We're either really creative and, and expressive, but we lack structure. Or then we have the structured people who are very frustrated and unsatisfied because they lack the outlet of creativity and emotional expression. And I am an empowerment strategist to combine those two and to help people find the balance and use both sides in order to really live your life to the fullest. Well, that's very interesting. My son's totally thrilled about science. He was just in a in a science B and he goes up to the university and gets involved in science programs. He's only in 10th grade, but he does all these different things and really loves it. And I love it too, because I'm fascinated to learn more about science. So how can we help to integrate our left and our right brain? Tell us more details about how this can work for us on an individual basis. Well, first, it's it's important to understand and identify your strengths and weaknesses because sure. then, then you're going to know how to ask for assistance or help or guidance and to know what pieces you need to implement. So if you know that you're a creative, free spirit, unrestricted, not mm. linear kind of person, then you're very right-brained. So what that means is some, then you need structure. And it's, you know, it's like masculine and feminine. It's, all, it's all, always said that the masculine is the riverbank and the feminine is the river. Okay. So, so we need both. And if you know that you are a creative person and you know that you're, you have lots of ideas and yet you can't, you're not very linear or you're a little ADD, you know that structure is what you need. And so finding systems, finding people to keep you accountable, finding methods that follow a plan. And, and again, I'm going to really stress the keeping accountable part. The people that are left brain are accountable. They will get their stuff done. What they may need help with is uncovering some of that emotional creativity and those that a lot of left brain people are very controlling. That's sort of the thing is to be controlling and uh, how to let go and how to be spontaneous right. and how to be expressive. And again, to do things that don't color in the lines kind of thing. So first identify which one you are. And I know there's some tests online. I've taken one. It's been a long time uh, mm -hmm. to, to figure that out. And there's also besides just testing your brain left or right brain percentage, you can also take a strength finders test. I really love the strength finders 2.0 test. And they're the, the basic one is about 999 for your top five strengths. And that will also give you information about what it is that you are really good at. And then, you know, the opposite would be finding, well, what is it that you lack? And it, there's no shame in acknowledging it's, it's, in fact, it's a strength to really know who you are. I think some people get offended when I know I said something to somebody who had not identified himself yet as a right brain person, but all the signs were there. And if you continue thinking you can do it all and that you're built to do it all, you stay frustrated for a really long time of why can't I do this? Because you're not built that way. Can you learn? Sure. But most likely you just need support in adding those elements into your life, but they're not your strength. But right. you get better at them. Well, wait, I'm, I'm just so interested in this because I'm definitely right brain. I'm doing, you know, I play the piano and play different musical instruments and I love doing all the creative stuff. And I used to, though, I used to be pretty organized and I wanted my life to have a certain order to it. And it seems like 
more recently in the last year or so, I've kind of drifted away from that. I want to be organized, but I just can't seem to make it happen. And it's it's a frustrating feeling. I walk into my office and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is a mess. And I don't want it to be. I want it to be that old Bruce, the way I had everything in its place and I knew where everything is. So what is something that I can do to change it, to help myself with this? Well, first I have to ask you, are you happier now or are you happier then? Well, I'm not happy when I'm not organized. I okay. want to be organized. So I, I guess I'd have to say I was happy then. I mean, I'm, I'm happy in a lot of ways in my life. It's great, but I'm not happy with that aspect of it. So, you know, I create accountability for anything I need help with. So let's say if you need to be organized, whether it be hiring somebody to come in with you. I mean, it could literally be a friend to come sit yeah. with you and talk with you while you're cleaning and you designate it on your calendar, just like a personal training session or a coaching session that for this hour, this person, or maybe even on Skype, you can have somebody talk to you on Skype while you clean your office. You right. can section it off if you want to, or you can just decide to get the whole thing done. You can have a friend or family member sit with you. You can make it fun. Anytime my husband's clued into how to get me to clean the garage at all, or my car, he knows the right music to put on, or if he wants me to do yard work. Because I, I listen to very specific like Latino reggaeton kind of music uh, and it's all in Spanish and it's all very danceable and it's it's very happy. And, and it's not like it, he doesn't hate it, but it's not his thing. But when I hear that go on, I know he wants me to be in a good mood. So sometimes there might be a cocktail involved, but there's always music. And it's to get, you know, it's to get it done. It's to make it the most pleasant. Because for some people, they have resistance to doing things like that. So to create an environment which creates less resistance. But I would say the most important thing about that is accountability. And, and what you might find is after you create accountability, so maybe it's once every two weeks that mm -hmm. you have someone sit with you for an hour or talk to you on the phone. I used to be really efficient talking on the phone. You know, remember when we used to talk on the phone years ago when people- I do remember that. Right. I used to talk on the phone and clean. At the same time, like for an hour, I was so good. And now I don't talk on the phone anymore. So um, yeah, I would, I would recommend the accountability. And then what you may find is you may find a ritual that you can attach it to, whether it be listening to a podcast or, or watching, not watching a movie. It had to be something you're listening to so you could actually focus on doing that. Yes. And, uh, and then you may be able to do it on your own later. But at first, just to get the ball rolling, to create that momentum, you need accountability. Okay. And I love what you said about making it into a ritual, a routine, a habit. That works for me. That really does. Once I get a habit established, I'm pretty good at sticking to it. So I'm really happy to say that. But that, that's really good advice, JJ. So um, I know that you mentioned about shame. You know, we, we do feel a sense of shame sometimes when we aren't accomplishing what we think we should be able to. And I have to say, sometimes I say to myself, Bruce, you don't have to do everything. You don't fix your own car. You take it to somebody else. I don't even try to. I don't even think about it. I just take it to somebody else. So why do I think I have to be able to create uh, an opt-in funnel? Well, it should be easy. I think I should be able to do that. You know, and I go on and I see all these vi these videos and they say, oh, this is super easy. You're going to, this is just so easy. And then I go on and I'm like, no, it's not that easy for me. But I still beat myself up, even though, even going into it, I literally tell myself, Bruce, don't beat yourself up. So what is that about? Well, 
I don't, I don't know if you remember if I talked about it in our interview years ago, obviously, that uh, I'm a big fan of the late Dr. Marshall Rosenberg's work, which is right. not violent communication. And what he says is it should is the most violent word we use. We have an idea of shoulding that, like you said, you have this idea that I should be, and I, I've done the same thing. I have a good capacity of a left and right brain. I learn very quickly. There are many things that I can learn to do. So I just do it. I've learned how to video edit. I've learned how to audio edit, right? I've learned how to do so many things. The only thing I, I can't do and will never probably be able to do is code. Okay. <laughs> when yeah. I used to watch coding with my web guys, because I'm pretty, I, I can watch things and sort of learn. My, my brain would zap, like, like someone just flashed me with a light then I was in shock for hours or for, like I'd be done. My brain would be over. I can't do coding. But what I've learned is even if you're really good at a lot of things and you can do all those things, again, it becomes a, a life lesson of, of, well, is this really the best use of your time? And I would say for a lot of us, that's just a life path. That's a journey that a lot of us have to go through to get to the other side, to recognize that, you know what, I've done this. Right. It's not really working. It's almost like that. It's a test. You, you do it because you think you should, or because you can, and then you see the results and you say, all right, it's working. And if it's working, then you keep doing it. But if you spend all this time and you're frustrated and your brain hurts and you feel ugh, like stressed out and then it's not working, then eventually you're going to say, all right, I can let this go and I can hire someone else to do it. In fact, yeah. this book is with a new publisher. <laughs> and you know, I believe that we all have our journeys and our life lessons and we keep expanding. And then once we get to that new level of expansion and evolution, we then get challenged, if you will, to go to the next level. And there's no end point. It, you keep growing, but at every level, there's a new challenge. And so for me, yeah, I was doing all this stuff and I had, I had it all organized and I just got to the point, quite honestly, where I was tired. I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm, I've got a lot going on and mm -hmm. I want someone else to kind of take over. And I, I really like thought about that. And, and this is what happened when I did Fit to Love as well. But I released it. I'm a big law of attraction user and, and acknowledger. And I let it go. And then I manifested this book deal. And then out of that came this program that I had to pay for. But it was like the most expensive program I've had to pay for ever. So it challenged me in many ways to trust and really believe in myself. And, and we get tested like that. I think, you know, we have a thermometer of, of where we're comfortable in life, whether it be with money or with weight or with health or relationships. And, but we want, often want more than where we're comfortable. We say we want that, but yet we practice this level at our, whatever is comfortable at that thermometer. So in order to get to the next level, there's usually some growing pains and there's some obstacles that challenge your true beliefs and your true faith and your true trust. So talking about mindfulness, being mindful and being honest. I mean, I had to break down and cry in front of a client. I mean, not that I tried, but the client I've had for many years who owns a business and his business, I mean, I mean, they deal with millions and millions and millions of dollars. And I said to him, I'm afraid. And he said, you believe in yourself more than anyone I know. And that right there, like just went right into my heart and I started to mm. cry and he goes, you crying? And I said, yes. And he said, so, and then, then once we sort of compared stories, I realized like, what am I, I'm not leveraging that much. I mean, his company leverages millions of dollars. I'm not talking about millions of dollars, but I had, but it was like that check of when you're ready, the caterpillar has to fight to become the butterfly. You get out of the cocoon, so to speak, you have that transformation, but in that transformation, there's some energy expended on the breakthrough. And, and so I think for a lot of us, when it comes to shame and the shoulds and the lessons, you know, lessons will keep repeating themselves until they're learned. 
That's a quote from Dr. Shree Carter Scott from If Life is a Game, These are the Rules. And I have lived by that since I read that book. So if you keep having a lesson that keeps getting repeated, you got to look within and say, what's going on with me that I keep repeating this lesson? I'm not getting the message. But if you're someone who, like for me, I mean, I got the message finally. I'm like, okay, I'm done. I need some help. I'm, I'm willing to delegate it all to somebody else to take over because I have to trust that this is all going to work out. And if it's not, then I'll figure it out as I go. So I think the shame just comes with society's expectation and our unrealistic, dishonest perpetuation on social media of perfection and not willing to talk about vulnerability and not willing to talk about the mistakes in a non-victim way. I think right. when people talk about, you know, pain and vulnerability and mistakes, it, it's, in a, it's an effort to get attention in a, in a, in a victim way, like, right. Oh, this thing happened to me. So we're not having mindful, conscious, responsible, responsibly, emotionally owned conversations about struggle and overcoming that. So I think that that would really help us end end that expectation a little bit. Well, JJ, let's flip over to weight loss in your book says five secrets to to weight loss so are you going to share some of those with us to release weight to release i love that well release it well you know because a lot of people lose weight and then they find it (laughs) they find it it again or it finds them yeah we'd like to release it and let it go and let it be gone and move move on not for sure lose it and then find it again yeah so we want to release it and uh do you want to know what those five steps are secrets i'd love to yes so like i said in the beginning three the first three are very scientific uh, the first one is about healing digestion. We have a rampant, ep- rampant epidemic in this culture that no one's really talking about because, well, because we've got a lot of drugs actually that that mask the symptoms. And uh, and again, we don't functional medicine isn't as large as Western medicine. And quite honestly, I don't do a lot of politics, but the the politics that I do do or like to tell people about is that our healthcare at least in this country, is run by pharmaceutical companies. And yeah. our healthcare is not healthcare. It's sick care. You yeah. only get treated when you're sick. You're That's already right. broken. And then you're given drugs or surgeries that repair the acute incident, but don't address how it got there in the first place, the lifestyle, the food, the stress, the use of drugs, whatever that helped to create this situation. We're not, we're not in prevention. I'm in prevention. I'm in healthcare. But it's an uphill battle, not that I'm saying no one give up, but just be clear that your the pharmaceutical companies run healthcare. So when yes. you see a drug or when you see a doctor give you a prescription for something, that doesn't mean that it's the best way to, to go. It might be the best way if you're going to die soon, but you know it's not going to necessarily fix the problem. And right. so for us, what happens with all this medication that people are taking, with the genetically modified foods that are in our diet, with the amount of stress that we're under... We tax the one system in our body that that fuels our entire life, which is your digestive system. It makes up 80% of your immunity. Everything comes from your gut. If you don't eat, you don't live. True it's, enough. So it's like putting gas in your car. You don't put gas in your car, your car doesn't go. End of story. The quality of your food that goes in your mouth fuels how you function and how everything in your body operates. So the first secret is about healing your gut healing your digestive system. And I go through all of like what it's called leaky gut syndrome and and probably most people have it. 
and why we have it and what you can do about it and foods we can eliminate and things, supplements we can start taking, but it's really to identify what, what that means. And if you have it and hear the symptoms, because people have symptoms and they think that's just normal. Oh, that's just normal. No, it's not normal. Yeah. No, a normal healthy digestive system go has, has an elimination after every time you eat, not like right away, but what goes in comes out. Basically you extract your food. There's a certain way that it's, that you eliminate. And, and there are healthy guidelines for how this set, uh, how this functioning in your body goes well. I imagine part of this is about processed sugar when it comes to the way your body deals with food and digests the food. If you're ingesting a lot of processed sugar, that definitely interferes with that. Am I right? Sure. Sugar is definitely one part of the chapter, or there's actually a whole chapter on sugar that's called understanding sugar because people, when they hear sugar, think just white sugar. And what people don't realize is that when it comes to sugar, all carbohydrates turn to sugar, even fruits and vegetables, all carbohydrates turn into sugar in the body. And there's only so much, like I'm not a calorie counter. I don't really support people counting calories because the quality of calories is going to change and what you get from that. If I, if I had to say to count anything, it'd be to count your carbohydrates and to keep them at a hundred grams or less a day. And that's all carbohydrates, breads, pastas, rice, beans, vegetables, potatoes, fruit, sugar, all of it turns to sugar. It just depends on how fast something like processed sugar turns very quickly to sugar and spikes your blood sugar and usually gets converted into fat if you don't need to replenish the glycogen in your muscle stores. Something like a vegetable like broccoli has fiber in it and protein. So it's in, it's not very high in sugar when it breaks down. So there's not as much there. So that of course gets utilized a little bit easier in the body and gets broken down and fed to the body in a different momentum. So what do you have to say about meat? Uh, so I'm a, I recommend a paleo diet and paleo is the paleolithic. It's our ancestors, mm-hmm. which means that back then we didn't feed our animals corn right, or give them injections or hormones or anything like that. Right. So it's really grass fed, organic, hormone free, antibiotic free meats and fish. So I'm, 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 I'm with her. I'm with you on the meat. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, meat's fine. Doesn't have to be a lot of meat, but it's about the protein. You can get it from fish. You can get it from vegan sources as well. Just a lot of vegans eat too many carbohydrates. Yeah. So this is fascinating. So this is the first secret. We've got four more to go. Wow. So the first secret is all about digestion and how our body is handling the foods that we put into it. Yes. And it's not just about the kinds of food. It's about healing your gut You and eliminating certain foods and then actually repairing the damage. So just quickly to finish this secret, think about the soft tissue of your digestive system, stress, drugs, toxins, plastics, things that get into our body, um, foods that we don't digest well because they've been chemically processed or, or they're genetically modified. They don't get broken down. So they get buried in the lining. Over time, that stretches. It's like a screen. You know, I've got cats. I know you know of cats. And my cats like to jump on the screens. Okay, yes. And over time, the holes in the screens get bigger. Right. And then that means that bugs and stuff can come in and out of those holes. Well, same thing for your your gut. Same thing for the lining. You know, you end up like making micro tears in your intestines. Uh-huh. And what happens is that food actually leaks into your bloodstream. And then, of course, your body goes, hey, what's this? It's a foreign invader. Let's attack it. White blood cells come to try to repair the damage. And that's the start of inflammation. Most of us have 
inflammation around our gut, trying to protect us from allowing these particles of food that leak through our digestive system into our bloodstream because the body doesn't recognize it because that's not where it's supposed to go. It's supposed to be broken down, processed, and then directed where it needs to go. It's not supposed to go through a hole in your intestines into your bloodstream. Well, this is fascinating. I didn't really realize all this. I mean, I know it's so important to eat healthy foods and to try to minimize the amount of processed sugars and and this kind of thing, not overdo it on meat, all of these kinds of things. I, I totally believe in it. I've been uh, pretty much sugar-free for about three to four years now. And so I hardly ever, ever consume processed sugar. But what you're saying is really, really eliminating that, you know, you have to be careful of all of those carbs. Well, that's not even all of it. I mean, I didn't go into no. you know, the top three inflammatory foods are gluten, dairy, and sugar. So it's really eliminating gluten, dairy, and sugar. Or, But again, understanding that it's not just white sugar, that everything turns to sugar. Mm-hmm. But yeah, sure. anyway, there's a process and there's a suggestion of an elimination diet to find out which food that your body doesn't break down well. There are symptoms for different inflammatory foods, even though some are more uh, right away, like you feel the effect and some of them are accumulative over time that actually start to wear down, just like my cats that jump on the screen, that jump on the screen, that jump on over right. time, then those holes open. So you put all this into your book. How mindful did you have to be to actually hunker down and write that book? Is Does that come easy for you or is that tough? So back to knowing yourself and figuring out that right brain, left brain thing, I know that I could not start the book here at my house or at the library. I needed to gain momentum. I needed to have nothing to distract me. Mm -hmm. So I ended up, well, at first I used a friend's house to kind of get the ball rolling. Um, But then I ended up taking a week off and I went up to a beach house up in Oxnard for a week. And Mm -hmm. I had I mean, I didn't, I had set every morning from, I mean, I did have some clients during the morning sometimes, but I had all day until about four o'clock every day that I did nothing but sit at the desk, sit at the table and write the book. So I had a lot of the book transcribed from some of the shows from Fit to Love. So Mm -hmm. some of that was already, you know, that's like the benefit of doing a show is that you've already talked about this information and then it was formulating it and clarifying it, clarifying it and getting references for it and, and organizing it and structuring it in a way like which goes first and how does this, how, you know, what order do you put it in? And and so all that stuff. So I took, oh yes, that whole week. And then I would take weekends and spend them at the library, or I would go for two or four hour clips at the library in a room by myself focus on just getting it done. So, you know, I think a lot of people think, oh, I should be able to get up and go to my desk and just sit down and like, right. No, you're distracted. Let's be realistic. Be, be aware. Is that, do you do that? I couldn't do that between a husband and, and three cats and two and a half, whatever one is outside. Um, you know, and then just a mountain of work and my desk isn't the cleanest thing in the world. Plus I've got clients and in here and out and interviews. Do you think I'm really going to focus? No, I needed to focus so that I could get it done. And that's, so for people that are writing a book or thinking about that, you need, you need to create the space for you to do what it is you need to do. You need to focus. And so did you do most of it in that one week period? I did 50% of it in that one week period. I got enough momentum going that then I could sit at my kitchen table for a whole day, uh, go to the library for four hours on the weekends each day. So it was enough to get it going. I just needed to start the momentum. 
Right. And so this is being launched on May 1st. That's exciting. Actually, it's May. Oh, May 18th. Yeah, it got changed. Oh, okay. May 18th. Well, that's not very far. That's pretty close. (laughs) No. Yeah. So do you have a ton of work to do before that happens? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. eh? Yeah. Okay. Well, I think it's exciting. I have not written a book like that. I I, uh, would love to. I think it would be really exciting. But yeah, you have to be ready. You have to have the mindset for it. That's for sure. You have to create the structure. That's right. Because I'm trying to be creative. And I mean, there was a linearness to the order of the book. And then I had to edit and move things around and, you know, put things all, make sure they were all in my voice and the tone that I wanted to Mm -hmm. be in for this book. And um, it's- So do you tell a lot of stories in there? I have stories. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because you always do. Every time I talk to you, you usually have stories. So, so are you going to share one more secret with us? Sure. Um, So let's see, what's the next secret I want to share? Let's see the fourth secret. This is the big one. Cause we go through the, we go through the medical and and, uh, scientific stuff first. So get that out of the way. Cause here's the thing for a lot of people, especially women, but it's really everybody. Let's say you've struggled with releasing weight for a long time. You've done a lot of programs and, and you can't ever keep it off. You just, it just comes back. All right. So people just want to keep thinking there's something wrong with the program, or maybe I'm not doing the right thing. Um, And a lot of people want to say that they're, you know, maybe they're emotional eaters and maybe they are. One of the things that happens in secret number one is when you actually eliminate some of these inflammatory foods, cravings go away. Your moods change. You sleep better. You have more energy. You have less brain fog. When you get to step two, which is get smart exercise, people just think exercise is exercise. Like I could write a whole book just about step two because exercise is science. And as much science as I have about anything, I have about exercise. And people don't even take that seriously because they're like, oh, just exercise. You just do something. You just do, oh, you do the next fad. You, you just work real hard. You just make sure you sweat. You just make sure you're sore. No, 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 no. That is not efficient at all. But okay, so then once we tweak with science, the food pieces and the digestion, the exercise, and then the hormone and the hormone replenishing, that's step, that's secret three, we get to four. So once we've eliminated all the scientific, biological, biochemical reasons why you feel uneasy, anxious, sleepless, frustrated, cranky, okay? Once those are all taken care of on the scientific level from every angle, from your endocrine system to your biochemistry, we now get to look at the emotional piece. And I'd start to identify what I'm going to call is your addiction. Everyone has them. And when people hear that word addiction, they think, no, I don't have addiction. I don't, I'm not an alcoholic or I don't smoke and I don't do tobacco or I don't do any drugs. I'm not an addict. Yeah. Well, yes, you are. Everyone avoids feeling in some way. So whether it be control or being busy or being on a device or shopping or watching television or being addicted to how you look, being addicted to being needed by others or being a people pleaser. That is like a big addiction. People pleasing is like the biggest lie. It's a big dupe. You're, you're actually like pulling the wool over everybody's eyes. You think, oh no, it's good to be a people pleaser because it means I care about people. No, you're tricking them into thinking something about you so that you can kind of control. It's a form of control addiction. So anyway, this whole piece is about once we get to the end, because I've worked with so many people that have been on program after program for years and years who have no idea that they have an emotional issue with food or emotional issues, period. And I'm like, really? Okay, again, back to mindfulness, right, Bruce? Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is where mindfulness comes in. 
to be aware and start to be like, understand that you have a feeling coming up inside of you. They, all those addictions, whether it be hard addictions or soft addictions, start with the same impulse. The impulse is I feel something uncomfortable that I don't want to feel or think. So I need to distract myself by eating, drinking, smoking, being on the computer, putting out a fire, being in chaos, being in drama, whatever it may be. So like when people are like, yay, I'm, you know, I'm, I applaud anyone that's, you know, released a habit. But the problem is people think that the habit, like an alcoholic, oh, yay, I've been 12, sober for 12 years. That doesn't mean the addiction energy is gone. That doesn't mean you solved the emotional root of why you chose to do it in the first place. You may just change to something else. That's why a lot of smokers end up gaining weight because not just because, because they eat, because instead of putting mouth to cigarette, they put mouth to food. It's the same energy underneath the impulse. You didn't solve it by stopping the smoking. You just replaced it with food. So identifying our addiction is a way we're going to heal and finally get control of, not control of, because that's a word. It's finally understand what's been going on here. If you just think it's about counting calories and exercising, you're wrong. It's it, for a lot of people, food is the biggest addiction ever. I'm not saying that food is it. For a lot of people, food is it. But for a lot of food, food is one of the many. And if we start to look at our lives and be mindful and conscious of how many ways we want to avoid feeling, you're never going to get long lasting results until you overcome that issue. If you can't look at that piece and start to sit and, and really be honest and learn how to embrace emotion, learn how to process emotion, learn how to be comfortable with emotion, learn how to be in your body, learn how to be mindful, consciousness, aware in the moment until we're there, then you're just going to keep running the rat race and wondering why it never sticks. Right. And we can practice that for our whole lives. But as we practice it, we will improve. As we practice it, we gain that sense of mindfulness, that sense of being grounded, being focused. And and then it feels really good once you think, well, yeah, I didn't used to be always this grounded. Yeah. And we do have to look back sometimes and think about that comparison. So how can we get the book? How can Mindful Tribe learn more about that? Because this is obviously an incredible book. I think it's my best. I got some really good feedback when I sent it out. So um, I, well, you're going to have a link if you, right. know, you can put on your, you know, you can send people to my show notes. Oh yeah. And the link is mindfulnessmode.com. I F F standing for invisible fitness formula. So you can grab your book there. This has been a really good chat. This book is just filled with incredible value. That's for sure. And just like the value you've given us today, just by sharing some of the tidbits, some of the, like sharing these secrets, but I know there's so much more detail as you read the book. I love reading because there's just so much meat to get into. So thank you so much for coming on the show today and sharing all this with, with me and with Mindful Tribe. This is awesome. Thank you, Bruce. Thanks for having me. It's the perfect place, you know, Mindful Tribe. You guys are the ones who are leading the pack and helping us change body shame because until we're mindful of our behaviors and what we're accepting as truth and what we're sharing with others and, and how to overcome shame has to start, it has to be a collective mission. And so you guys are going to be at the head of that, uh, that uh, tribe, so to speak, in order to make it go away because we're the ones that are leading the pack of consciousness and awareness. So thank you for having me on the show. Absolutely. Have a great rest of your day, JJ. Thanks, Bruce. Okay. Bye now. 
Thank you so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For insightful blog articles and show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by clicking on the iTunes link on our website and leave a rating and review. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.